Well, the uh, readings tell the big picture of what Jesus is accomplishing, take us into the ancient Jewish story of the Passover, and then into the uh, cosmic perspective of how, in his cross, Jesus was going to bring Jew and Gentile together into one chosen person. But for the reflection tonight, I'm going to return to the most familiar grounds for a Maundy Thursday service, which is the account in John's Gospel of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, and you'll know it well. It was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that the time has come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Such an incredible amount of insight to carry with you, isn't it? It's not always easy to know what's going to come next in your life. In fact, in some ways, it's a sheer blessing that we're not blessed with that sixth sense of foresight. Even who we might encounter and how the day may go might throw us out of uh, getting out of bed in the morning. But Jesus was about to go through one of the most horrendous 24-hour periods anyone could ever imagine, let alone endure. And he knew what was going to happen, and he knew it was time for him to leave this world. Not just abstractly leave the world, Mark. He was going somewhere. He was going to someone. He was going to the Father. And to get a perspective on what that must have meant to him, all we can do is try and think of the human person or persons to which we feel most drawn. I wonder if you can picture them. Maybe it's someone you haven't seen for a long time or have been uh, separated from in some, some way. Imagine that you knew you could be right with them again. You would be having those sort of longings, urges to be back with his father. Paul, in the Christian faith, had them as well. He said, it's better for me by far to depart and be with the Lord to be with the person he knew loved him most. But before he was to go, he had several missions still to fulfill. And the first of them was to show his disciples the full extent of his love. That wasn't actually going to happen tomorrow on Good Friday. That was going to happen on Maundy Thursday in a much more simpler, less dramatic, but ever so poignant act. It was the time, as you remember, when Judas has already been prompted to betray Jesus unto death. And Jesus, like the psalmist, knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And so despite the conflict and tension in the room, despite the betrayer being in the room, he simply gets up from the meal that we heard described in the book of Exodus, chapter 12, takes off the outer clothing and simply puts a towel around his waist, pours water into the basin, and one after another, as we will do this evening, washes his disciples' feet, drying him with a towel that was wrapped around him. And we all know, as Ian Poole put in a wonderful piece of writing today, we all know the point of the story. The point of the story is to teach us how to serve, isn't it? As Jesus did, so we must do as well. 
And it comes in the climax in verses 12 through 17. Do you not understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. So we're called to serve. And I think looking around the gathered uh, congregation here this evening and those who might listen in again uh, to the recordings, we're probably quite good at this serving. There are people here who will happily get out of bed on a rainy day to put themselves out for many other people who will tirelessly serve and give and give and give of themselves. So if you're in that category, did you notice the verses that we skipped past? It's this rather amusing account of Simon Peter, the sort of anti-hero of the gospel. Verse 6, He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, like a five-year-old, you shall never wash my feet. That's not in the original text. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet and my hands, but wash my head as well. And Jesus said, look, If you've had a bath, you only need to wash your feet. Your whole body's clean, and you are clean, except for the betrayer. Do we pause often enough to have our feet washed by Jesus? Do we pause often enough to receive in our God-inspired inclination to give? Do we pause often enough to be served by the great servant? Do we allow ourselves that space of vulnerability, of quiet, of helplessness, of humility? Do we do what Jesus asks us to do? Tonight in this service, we will do exactly that in in just a few moments. The uh, clergy have uh, bagged the honour of the foot washing this evening, or there are many others who no doubt would happily step in to do this task. And there'll be a chance for you, if you would like, in the next hymn to take your shoes and socks off. And then after the hymn, the clergy will make their way down the front row and, uh, and the back row, the back row first and then the front row, uh, offering to wash the feet of those who have taken their shoes and socks off. Or sandals, if you've been particularly biblical this evening. But it's not just a funny tradition designed to make newspaper uh, photos for the Pope washing the feet of refugees, although that is a wonderful testimony to the gospel today, Muslims, Hindus, and Christians alike. It's something that we all profoundly need. We profoundly need to learn how to receive if we are really going to give. It's very easy, I think, for us as Christians to live in the red zone, 
where you're giving from the fuels of the car of your life, or it's just getting down to the vapors. And this Holy Week is a chance, as is tomorrow, for us just to pause and say, what have I got to give him? What can I offer to the lover of my soul? What can I give to the King of glory? What can I give to the Lord of the universe? What can I offer to the one who gave everything for me? It's a bit like with one of those relatives of yours who has everything. (laughs) He really does have everything. (laughs) Absolutely everything is his already. He could command a legion of angels and they'd serve it up for him on a plate. Worship beyond the abilities of the greatest choir or Tim Hughes or whoever it may be. What he asks of us this evening is, will you let me serve you? So that it can be seen that you're part of my family, that you carry my name, that you're my children, that I look after, that I get to care for. And we tonight are here to stand in the gap, to have our feet washed as well, and to try and represent him to us in this tactile manner.